Well, this past Sunday, we began a brand new three-part series I'm calling Under the Influence. You know, people will do or not do what they would or wouldn't do while under the influence. Or so I'm told, right? (laughs) In 1 Kings chapter 21 and verse number 25, it says, No one else so completely sold himself to what was evil in the Lord's sight as Ahab did under the influence of his wife Jezebel. Under the influence of his wife, Ahab's wickedness soared to a whole new level. Here's what I know. Everyone influences and everyone is influenced. I don't know, but perhaps, perhaps there is nothing more important in all of life than who we allow ourselves to be influenced by and how we influence others. Those influencing us will help determine the course of our lives. And we are going to be held accountable for how we influenced others. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18 and verse number 6. Jesus said that if we cause someone to stumble, Jesus said that it would be better for us to have a boulder tied around our neck and that we be tossed into the sea. How many know that Jesus thought much about influence? It was a top priority. Yeah, there's just absolutely no way that I can emphasize strong enough how important and how serious that our influence and our influencers are. Today, I want to talk about our influence. Uh, I want to talk about us as an influencer. Now, 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 you might not see yourself as an influencer, but you are. See, see, you don't have to be a mover and a shaker in order to have influence. If you're a spouse, you're an influencer. Uh, if you have children, you're an influencer. If you hold a position, uh, if you have a friend, everyone is an influencer. Everyone influences someone. And we are going to be held accountable for how we influence. Well, today, I want to challenge you to do four things with your influence. You have influence, but I want to challenge you what you should do with the influence that you have. First thing I would say is that is you need to use it to magnify Christ. Use your influence to magnify Christ. In John chapter 12 and verse number 32, Jesus said, Jesus said, when I am lifted up, he said, I will draw everyone to me. Now, we understand that Jesus was speaking about his death on the cross here, that when he was literally lifted up on the cross, that through that he would draw all men unto him. That's what he's saying here. But it is also true that people are drawn to him when we magnify him. Thank you, Krista. I appreciate that one amen this morning. Amen. Through our influence, those closest to us can be pulled toward Jesus or they can be pushed away from Jesus. Let me ask you this morning, do you minimize or do you maximize Jesus in your life? Are you consumed with him or do you compartmentalize him? Just just, just reserve him for about an hour and 15 minutes on Sunday morning. Let me ask you this morning, how are you using your influence where Jesus is concerned? How how do those under your influence view your relationship with Jesus? Where do they see him uh, on your list of priorities? 
Use your, in, your influence to magnify Christ. First of all, use your words. Use your words. Do, do you ever talk about him? Do you, ever, do you ever even use the name Jesus even one time between, you know, Sundays? Do you ever talk about him? Do you, do, do you talk about his importance in, in your life? And what about your talk? What about your talk? Are, are you more positive or, or are you more negative? More encouraging or discouraging? More critical or more loving? Proverbs 18 and 21 says that the tongue can literally produce life or death. Use your words. Use them to magnify Christ. Use your words as a positive method of influencing people toward Jesus and not away from him. But don't just use your words. Use your walk. Use your walk. Live your life as an example. And it is, you know. It might be a good one. It might be a bad one, but it is an example. Often our words cannot be heard because they are drowned out by our walk. Yes. See, see, we lose credibility when our walk doesn't live up to our words. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16, Jesus said, let your good deeds or your good works, let your good deeds, let your good works shine out so that everybody will see them, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. And 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 1 says that an unsaved husband can be one to the Lord without one single word being spoken by his wife. How? Through her walk. We're talking about what to do with our influence. First of all, use your influence. Use it to magnify Christ. Second thing you need to use your uh, influence is, and that is use it to multiply yourself. Use your influence to multiply yourself. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse number 1, he's speaking to the Corinthians and to the Corinthian church, and there he says, follow the instructions that I have imparted to you. And then in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 2, Paul writes young Timothy who he is mentoring, and Paul writes to him, and Paul says to Timothy, he says, the things I have taught to you, you teach to others. See, we can multiply ourselves through influence. Let me encourage you today. Ask yourself this question. Is there anything about me worthy of multiplying? Is there anything about me worth multiplying? And if so, what is it? And what is it about me that I wouldn't want to be multiplied? Understand the fact that someone is emulating you. Someone is emulating you. Because everyone influences someone. First Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 12, Paul writes to young Timothy and he says, Be an example to all believers. Be an example, he says, in what you say, in the way that you live, in your love, in your faith, and in your purity. See, the truth is, you are multiplying yourself. You are multiplying yourself, whether you know it or whether you don't know it, whether you want to or whether you don't want to, it is happening. 
The question is, what are you multiplying? Is what you are passing on good or is it bad? Is it helpful or is it hurtful? Somebody said the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. I say, yeah, neither does the nut. (laughs) Be careful what you are multiplying about yourself. Fortify your strengths and work on your weaknesses. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 12 says, take a new grip, say a new grip. Yeah, the writer of Hebrews in chapter 12 and verse 12, he says, take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weaknesses. See, everyone has something in their life that is worth passing on to others. Something that would be missed if you died without imparting it. So identify what that is and then become intentional about passing it on. The flip side of the coin will reveal that that we all have weaknesses. We all have faults as well. Again, we should identify what these are and then become intentional on working to correct them so as not to pass these along. Recently, the Holy Spirit has revealed to me a couple of mine. Would you like to know what they are? I bet you would. You are really, really nosy. (laughs) Actually, you're probably already aware. Fortify your strengths and work on your weaknesses. What should you do with your influence? First of all, use it to magnify Christ. Use it to multiply yourself. And number three this morning, use it to motivate others. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24 says, Let us think of ways to motivate others to acts of love and good deeds. We can do this in two ways. First of all, we can challenge them. Now, those people that are under our influence, those people that, that, that are looking to us, those people that, that, are, that are looking to us for direction and looking to see how that we are living our lives to, to mold them so they can live their lives that way, what, what, what can we do about it? We could challenge those people. Paul told young Timothy, who, who, who Paul had tremendous influence over, he told him in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 6, he says, fan into flames the spiritual gift that God has given to you. See, Paul challenged young Timothy to be more and to do more. As influencers, it's our responsibility to challenge those who have in, we have influence with. See, see we, we would not have given two and one half million dollars to missions this past 10 years as a church if I had not consistently challenged us to do so. See, what I've learned is most people are willing to be part of something great. In fact, most people want to be a part of something great, but they have to be challenged. Now, let me talk to you about the challenge. I, I believe in being realistic with our challenges. I, I like what Pastor uh, Chris said. I think he's heard me say it. But, you know, you know, our kids are told you can, do it, you can do anything or be anything you want. That's a lie. Like he said, he wants to be a football player. I want to be a professional golfer. <laughs> Ain't going to happen. Why? Because I'm a man of God and I'm... Com- And I don't have the talent. (laughs) 
I can't be a professional golfer. I can enjoy the game of golf, but I'll never be a professional golfer. But I can be a man of God. I can be a man of God. I can be a pastor. I can love people. I can point people to Christ. I can encourage people. I can minister to people. So I believe in being realistic with our challenges. And I believe in continuing to increase the challenge once the present challenge is met. And I believe in leading the challenge through example. We can motivate those we have influence with through challenging them. And as we cheer them on, cheer them on. See, I don't think we fully understand the impact that a word of encouragement or commendation received from an influencer means to a person. And I want to tell you something, there will never come a time, there will never come a day when validation and praise is not needed, wanted, and appreciated. I don't care how secure a person is, I don't care how confident a person is, I don't care how successful a person is, they can still be motivated by the cheers of their influencers. Ephesians 4 and 29 says, let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 25 says, an encouraging word cheers a person up. Let me challenge you today to use your influence to validate people. Oh, help them discover their strengths. Challenge them to use their God-given abilities and gifts. Help point them in the right direction. And then once they're going in the right direction, cheer them on. Cheer them on. I'm thinking of one of my early ministry mentors. I learned so much from this man. Much that I know about finances and most and much that I know about marriage and teach today. Initially I learned from this man. I, I learned so much from this man in my early days of ministry. But let me tell you what I received most from him was validation. He validated me. He validated my ministry. He spoke life-giving words over me. He affirmed me. He applauded me. He loved me unconditionally. He cheered me on. A lot of who I am, I owe to this man and the influence that he had on my life. Just this past Thursday, I sat down with a younger pastor in my section that I oversee as a presbyter. He had called me and asked if he could have some of my time. He had some things he wanted to run by me. He needed my counsel. In the course of the conversation, he, he said to me, he said to me, he said, you are my role model. You are my role model. I look to you. He said, I've seen what you've done at the Grace Place. He said, I'm impressed with your ministry, and I seek to emulate it. Wow, that's scary. People are watching. People are listening. What are we doing with our influence? Hopefully we are using it to motivate them to great things, challenging them and cheering them. 
one. So what did I do on Thursday? I validated this young man's call. I cheered his vision. I challenged him to lead his church to the next level. Listen, what we do or don't do will be determined greatly by our influencers. Whose influence are you under? And what kind of influencer are you? Let's look at the fourth and the final thing that we should do with our influence. That is, we should use it to market the teachings of God's Word. James chapter 1 and verse 22 says, Be doers of God's Word, not just hearers. You know, marketing is huge in today's world. Build yourself a brand and then market that brand for success is what we are hearing today. Well, here's what I know. Most of our world isn't reading the Bible. <laughs> Most of the church world isn't reading the Bible. Most of the world isn't reading the Bible. They aren't gleaning from its promises and its principles and its practical instructions. Therefore, we must market God's Word through the way we live our lives. Modeling it through our actions. I want to briefly mention three things that we should market from God's word. First one is humility. Humility. There's just no place for arrogance in the life of a Christian. This pandemic has exposed. It was already there. But this pandemic has exposed a lot of arrogance in too many Christians. See, see, when you are dogmatic and condescending to those who don't agree with you 100%, that's arrogance. When you set yourself up as the expert and you criticize or make fun of those who disagree with you, That's arrogance. See, God's people should be humble people. They should be loving people. They should be gentle people. They should be patient people. Oh, I I love Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 12 where it says, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. I love this next phrase, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. I'm so glad you make, an allow, make allowances for my faults. If you didn't, I wouldn't still be here because I have faults. Do I have strengths? Absolutely, I have strengths. Are there good things about my life? Yeah, you have to look hard, but they're there. But I want to thank you. Thank you for making allowances. We need to be making allowances for one another because it's that same old thing Jesus talked about with, you know, the twig and the boulder in the eye getting quiet in here this morning. Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 3 says, don't be selfish, be humble. Don't try to impress one another. Think of others as better than yourself. Market humility by modeling it in the way that you live. Second thing that we need to model from God's word is honor. Honor. I, I think we've lost this somewhere along the way. Romans 13 and 7 says that we should honor everyone in authority. How many in authority? 
The ones you voted for? The ones you like? The ones that you think's doing a good job? Huh? Romans 13 and 7 says that we should honor everyone in authority. This would include our president and elected officials. Regardless of party affiliation. It means we should honor the police. Teachers. Our boss. Our direct report. Our pastor. Three people. I know you're quiet because, but I'm telling you, in that area we've lost something down the road. There's not an honor for the ministry there used to be. I'm going to move right on or I'll move from anointing to annoying. (laughs) To ticked off. (laughs) Ephesians 4 and 2 says... Making allowances for each other's faults. I got to remind myself. What has happened to honor? What has happened to honor? Why do we think that it's okay for us to spew venom at anyone and everyone who doesn't cross their T's and dot their I's exactly like we do? Or they don't do it the way we think they should. Well, I know how you think because I'm think the same things that you think so often. And some of you are thinking, but pastor, but pastor, how can I honor someone who isn't honorable? Good question. You'll ask really good questions. And the answer is, in that case, you honor the position and not the person. If you cannot honor the president, you honor his position. If you can't honor your pastor, you honor the position that he holds. If you can't honor your coach, honor the position. We should honor everyone in authority. That's the word of the Lord. We should use our influence to market the teachings of God's word in the areas of humility, honor, and and holy living. Ah, this is an area that we don't hear much about these days. <laughs> Holy? That's not a very popular word today. Holiness? Ah, they're going to lump us in with those crazies. The word talks about being holy. Talks about holiness. See, see the legalism of the past has caused the pendulum to swing too far to the liberalism of today. In the past, in the past it was preached that everything was wrong. When I was growing up, man, I mean the preachers, they just lambasted everything and preached against everything. One preacher said that he preached against eating chocolate. He said, I'd tell him it'll give you pimples. And some of us my age or a little younger or especially older remember those days of legalism when, when, when I mean everything was wrong. You couldn't do this, that, something else. You couldn't say this, that. I mean it was all about the do's and the don'ts and the law. And everything. If it was fun, it was sin. 
In the past, it was preached that everything was wrong. Today, it's as if nothing is wrong. Here's what I believe, and you can correct it the next time you preach. But I believe that the truth is usually found somewhere in the middle of two extremes. Now, write this down. This is good. Holy living won't produce salvation. But true salvation will produce holy living. See, the proof of salvation is a changed life. The proof of salvation is not that you say the, said the sinner's prayer. The proof of salvation is not that you started going to church. The proof of salvation is that your life has been changed. Paul said in Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things have passed away and all things have become new. And he said in Romans 12 and 2, he says, don't copy the behavior of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 11 and verse 14 says, since everything around us is one day going to be destroyed, what holy and godly lives you should live. And while you are waiting for this to happen, make every effort, say make an effort, Make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure. Say pure. Make every effort to be found living a life that is pure and blameless in his sight. Let me ask you this this morning. If you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence in your life to convict you? What kind of life are you marketing to the world? Is there any difference in the way you live your life than in the way your sinner friends live their lives? And again, I'm not saying go back to legalism. I'm not saying go back to the law. But the word of God does say, oh, that the proof of salvation is a changed life. And the word of God does say that we should make every effort. Oh, there's nothing we can do. It's all Christ. I believe that to a point. But then there is things we can do because God works through us and in us. We can't change ourselves, but we can ask him to help us. And through his help, we can make changes in our life. Our series is called Under the influence. Everyone is under somebody's influence and everybody has someone under theirs. The question that I have for us today is what kind of influencer are we? The takeaway for the message this morning is this. The value of influence is incalculable. The value of influence. I am who I am today. Oh, yes, thank you, Jesus, for your incredible, unbelievable influence in my life. No greater influencer in my life than Jesus. But I've had other influencers in my life as well. You have as well. And there are people in my life, and there are people in your life. They're watching. They're looking. What kind of influencer are we? Father, take this word this morning. Oh, God, help us to understand and recognize this morning the value, the value of influence 
we cannot put a value. It is incalculable. Bless us this day, I pray. In Jesus' name.